Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the bunker. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them what they're doing, game-wise. With such a big time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, and thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with designer Morgan Guillaume-Rete, the mother of Pendragons. Hello. Hello, Morgan. How are you? Well, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> Surviving. <Yeah. laughs> Considering, right? In the in the context of the times. In the context of the times, indeed. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk. I I am uh, trying to provide a forum for people like you to tell gamers what you're working on, what you've been playing, what you're interested in, and um, and and provide a distraction from some of the events of the day. Um, a handful of um, of ground rules, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, so, so first, no medical discussions. Second, no political <laughs> discussions. And third, no financial discussions. Uh, all of which are very easy in this environment. Sounds good. Good. So, uh, so what have you been doing? What have you been up to? Well, yes, I think like uh, many of us, um, got plenty to you know too much time on my hands. I mean, I would never believe I could say that, but it's kind of true. Um, and a lot of things to take my mind off, as you mentioned. So, um, yeah, I've been um, I've been playing a bit. Um, so mostly some playtesting for my uh, uh, new design, Hubris, um, and then been playing some games which I had been accumulating over the past few months, um, most notably uh, Freedom from Phalanx Games, which I found a very interesting little game. Um, I've been doing a lot, a lot of reading, um, not only research-oriented, but part of it. I mean, um, uh, for instance, um, I've, having the time, I actually went back to a <coughs> to two books, actually, it's two volumes, um, of the very first, <clears throat> sorry, book I read about the Hellenistic period, which might say is the root for all uh, hubris. <laughs> and um, this is, this is um, a book, so two volumes uh, named the uh, historical, sorry, the political history of the Hellenistic world, uh, well, it's in French, uh, which I bought uh, back in uh, 1993 <laughs> um, and read at the time, obviously. Um, but, you know, even though I did go back to it on, you know, looking for specific references or specific elements in time, I had never read it, you know, cover to cover again ever since. So I did that. Um, and it was quite interesting because, I mean, obviously, um, didn't see much, you know, fundamentally new in it, but reading it with a new viewpoint of what I've been doing and what I'm currently doing on Hubris and, you know, what may be the, the key um, issues with it, etc. I found some interesting new tidbits in there. Um, so, so that was good. Um, probably going to get, I would say, two minor rules change. 
couple events probably from that. Um, so, um, so that's always good. Um, been so reading what, what events? Tell me what events you picked up. What what uh, which ones? Which ones slipped through your uh, your filter? Well, it's not the sleep, but the sleep. But filter is the right term because you know when you when you work on an historical period, as you know, which is fairly um, broad in, in scope. There just is too much material that you could cram into a game. I mean, to a large extent, designing a game is about filtering in order to to sort of focus on what you want to um, really put at in front in terms of the, the, the game model and, and what we're trying to do. Considering that Hubris has gone through a number of stages and the focus of, of the model has changed over time, my filter has changed. <laughs> so some elements which may have, I may not have considered as so important or as, say, second importance back then, not take a new meaning. So, um, I don't know, that's not an event, but I'm, I'm going to introduce um, a new action to train troops because it was just too easy to bring back troops after a defeat, so that's just a, a small change. Uh, we're asking for an event, sorry for the noise in the background, but young kids being pended. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, no, it's something. Uh, it's something we're all dealing with. You're right, but um, can't I fit? Yeah, something which um, I mean, I, I'm sorry. It's fairly. Uh, it's, it's fairly specific to the game. But the um, uh, in the in the last part of the game, there was a rising discontent and um, actually um, um, loss of prosperity in much of Greece. Um, which actually, since the Roman had taken the lead role in the region at the time, actually turned against them and their friends. And that was used by Macedon to actually regain influence that they had lost after the war. Um, so that's probably going to be an event. Um, things like that. Couple ones. So it's always fun. Um, not to mention going back to something you've read like 27 years ago. <laughs> um, I've also been doing some reading on, um, and it started reading more as, uh, um, oh, I, I feel like reading these books, and, and this is The, Vic the Viking Wars um, by Max Adams. Um, and then you find this book, and you find a lot of stuff, and your designer mind gets into, um, you know, over it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I've always had somewhere in the back of my mind, it was probably, you know, project number, I don't know, three, four in my list, I guess, to do some kind of follow-up to Pendragon set in the Viking Age. And uh, getting into this book was like, uh, yeah, definitely got my gears <laughs> running. Uh, on this, um, so so that's always uh, you know it's always fun. Uh, so so a follow up to Pendragon, right? So just I know it's very hypothetical in your mind, but would it would it use the same map or would you change? Uh, it would, would change probably. I mean, that, well, still remains to be determined. But I would expect something very similar in terms of the geographical scope. Um, because I could, 
I could broaden the map to Ireland and maybe to the um, to the Frankish uh, northeast and all of um, what is now Scotland, um, but that would probably be too big. Uh, so I need to capture these aspects through other ways. Um, so I would probably focus on the main island again, um, but probably extending it a tiny bit toward the north because there's quite a few interesting stuff going on in what is today Scotland, which I believe would need to be um, included. Um, so the map would not be exactly the same, obviously, but I mean, the, the basic facts of geography and strategy remain the same. So there would definitely be um, a large uh, similarity, but, but not exactly the same. And obviously, you know, things like place names and stuff would have to be to be updated because we would be jumping 400 years in you know in the in the in time roughly but how but how exciting i i uh, i just as we were speaking i just typed an email that sent it to gene billingsley and put in the first p500 order <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so <hold> uh, <laughs> Hold on, Fubris would need to get on, uh, on P500 first, and this time I will not let a new coin game uh, take its, uh, <laughs> its slot. <laughs> distract you from, yes. Um, but, but now the thing, I mean, and we, will, we can talk about Fubris. I mean, I think Fubris is really nearing, um, you know, this stage of development where you get to the point where you are finalizing and uh, fine-tuning rather than, you know, drawing the big, the big elements and, and working on the balance. So I would think Hubris is not that far from getting on P500, at least as far as I would say. Obviously not my call. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that I can switch <laughs> or start switching to a new project uh, soon. So... So I had another project which I think we talked about before, which I thought would be coming next, but now I'm not so sure. Maybe the Vikings will come next. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's an exciting topic, and I would love to see a serious uh, treatment of that uh, of that subject. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, as always, you know, the main driver for me to design a game is uh, something which I'm, I feel is missing and I would, would like to play. <laughs> so, so I share your excitement. I mean, I would really like to see uh, a good treatment of these walls. Um, there was actually quite a bit of interest because that seemed like a fairly logical follow-up to Pendragon, you know, raiding and stuff. And so I was approached by a number of people right after Pendragon was released who said like, oh, could I, could I work on something similar using the, you know, the basic, uh, same basic mechanisms for the Viking Edge? And I was like, sure, by all means, please do so. <laughs> and if I can help you, I will. And that's still, and by the way, I mean, still true. I mean, if someone wants to tackle it, I would be more than happy to help um, because it would probably mean that this game might be available sooner than I can make it available. <laughs> but but uh, if no one does it, I will, I will do it. That's pretty sure. Um, and yes, I agree with you. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> yes, it's exciting. And I'm tired of waiting for somebody else to do it. So I'm looking forward to your version. 
Why don't, why don't you do it? <laughs> well, I, as you know, ancients isn't my uh, isn't my era. So uh, if it were in the age of reason, I might take it on. But yeah. so so here, I'd like you to tell me about hubris as it stands now in your mind, and what's the heart of of that game system now? All right. So um, yeah. So as of today, and it, it has been that way for I would say. A year and a half, two years now. Um, so I have developed an engine which is specific to Hubris, which is really based on the leaders. So there is no action you can take without a leader, and you need, you know, you, you need leader to do anything in this game. So, so instead of having a hand of cards like a traditional CDG, you will have what I call a court which is a number of leaders, which are all rated, and there's a little bit, you might say, of a role-playing element in that, in that, you know, you have, all your leaders are rated for various abilities, um, like military campaigning, like diplomacy, like administration, like intrigue, like loyalty. And so you've got to, you are the king, which, by the way, is one of your leaders, so, I mean, <laughs> you've got to, to, do, to do with that too, and you've got to manage your court. Um, so you've got to get stuff done. And the only way you can get it done is by allocating someone to go do it and allocating the resources to hopefully allow them to do it. And obviously, as in every such game, you cannot do everything. So you've got to make choices and not all your leaders are competent or reliable or, you know, so so it's sort of an issue of how do you manage your court, including the fact that the more high profile, high competence leaders you have in your court, the more likely there are clashes between them, the more likely, the more ambitious someone, I mean, guys who are very competent, and I'm saying guys, but there will be some ladies too, um, people who are very competent typically are ambitious. <laughs> and so ambitions is a good thing, but sometimes it may lead to conflict uh, or, or rebellion or that sort of thing. So, so the, the, that's the main engine of the game. How do you manage and manage to go through the tough times of the game with yeah. the court, not the hand, but the court you, are, you have been given? And so that's the that's the core of the game. Um, apart from that, it's a kind of area control, resource driven, um, fairly abstract. I mean, because we want to focus on the leaders and the interactions and, set, and that sort of thing. Um, a big element is how you deal with the cities and uh, the tribes within your realm. Um, basically, you have two options: either you put garrisons. Or you put uh, alliances, and they have pros and cons, and so on. Um, and then the big thing is that you are playing the king of one of the main Hellenistic kingdoms. Um, the game would start around 220 BC. Um, so the kings, for some of those who are familiar with the period, would be such as uh, Antiochus III of the Seleucid Empire, uh, Philip V of Macedon, uh, Ptolemy IV of um, Egypt. So this is a time when these guys were still fighting it to be, you know, for hegemony in the world that they, their ancestors 
um, inherited from Alexander. But starting around 220, this is when a new player comes on the scene, and that's Rome. Um, and Rome starts entangled with um, Carthage in the Second Punic War, but soon Rome will most probably prevail and then will turn its attention to the East. And so that becomes a new dimension that the players have to deal with, which is how do you deal with the new Roman presence, not necessarily threat, not always, um, and, and how do you use it to your advantage? And, and hopefully try to avoid the historical result, which is that uh, Rome won in the end. Uh, and, and the trick is that Rome will not be a player. Rome will be handled by, by the game mechanism. So you can influence what they do, but you don't control them. So that's roughly the game, in a nutshell. Um, so there will be a number of scenarios. You can start in, at various points in time, so you can have a short game, a long game. Um, there will be events thrown at you, which will gives you challenges and opportunities, and you will be able to react with your leaders, <laughs> etc. Et um, so that's, that's about it. Um, so the game, in its, uh, I would say, its current version, which I think is very close to what would be a final version in terms of the, you know, the base structure frame, um, was a, well, tested at home, obviously, but was tested here in Montreal, um, in December uh, with other players went very well it's slightly optimized from the version I brought to San Diego in November but very close um, and there was a very good reception in, in San Diego too um, which uh, you know was both a blessing and a <laughs> and um, a bane because I, I mean, obviously I love seeing people interested and having fun with my games. At the same time, I had no time to play games myself. So, <laughs> no, you were you were you were teaching and and playing that game the entire time with with new groups. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yes. So exactly. the attention's terrific. You're not going to have any trouble selling this game. Where oh, it was nonstop. Yeah, it was, which is great. I mean, it's it's, um, but it was a far cry from you know when I. It's always like when you have deadlines that you actually achieve stuff. So um, initially, when I confirmed that I would come to San Diego, I was not sure I would have uh, achieved the level of uh, redesign that I wanted to achieve. So I told you, hey, I probably won't have the game. And I just coming to play and having fun. And that was my plan. <laughs> and then somehow I didn't manage to complete what I wanted to do before San Diego. <laughs> and anyway, but that's good. Um, so, so that means uh, I had a you know a couple of things which uh, came from these last uh, live playtests. Uh, as I said, I've done some additional uh, reading, um, so I'm in incorporating all of that. And then the way I do design is that I typically put off writing the rules in extenso until last. Um, I do the playtesting using obviously maps, cards, um, player heads, um, but I don't like to write the rules in extenso. Um, and part of the reason is that I want Hubris to be simple enough rule-wise that you should not need to go back to the rules 
unless very exceptional circumstances arise. And you should be able to play just with the player heads, which seems to be the case today. Um, so everything I've done in terms of development so far was updating, modifying the player heads and the various game material. Now I feel I am at a stage where I'm happy with where we are, which is why I've started writing the rules. Um, and that's, where, that's what I'm doing most of my time at the moment. That's a good, that's a good sign. And by the way, that's a very coin-oriented um, development process, isn't it, where the player aids? Because the player aids in coin are so important, right? You think of a game in, that you've played coin-wise where you haven't held right. a player aid in your hand the entire time. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I don't know for you, but I, I mean, myself, now when I'm playing a new game, and you know, not one of mine, I mean, and I got to refer to the rule book, every time I have to do that, I cringe. <laughs> I hate that. And the worst thing is some games where there is like, you've got player heads with a ton of stuff, but there is one table which is not on any player head, and it's buried on page 16 of the rule book. Right. <sighs> right. Well, imagine this. I'm driving down the road this past summer, mm -hmm. driving to L.A., actually, uh, and on my drive, I get a... Uh, a call and I and I couldn't take it. I was on the on the other line, but I picked up the voicemail and it was Volko. Okay. And he and his son were playing Liberty or Death, and they had a rules question. <laughs> so tell me that doesn't put a pit in your stomach, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so I uh, so I I called them and I said I really I I dread this call because I know it's going to be something that I didn't cover in the rules. <laughs> and it, and it was it was a it was a uh, you know they were doing something. Volko's son, who's who's a brilliant coin player, was doing something sure. within the rules, but outside of the intention. Correct. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so uh, I said you should house rule it, and Volko insisted that the house rule be against his son's position because he's <laughs> he's, he's the patriarch. So I, uh, I I wasn't willing to accept that, but I don't think I have any standing in that decision. <laughs> We have no say on house rules, that's for sure. If we, if we don't like some house rules, we have to, to issue a new ruling, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, we, need to, we need to update our rule book, don't we? Exactly. Very yeah. funny. But I think Liberty of Death has been fairly stable since its release, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it has. it has. I'm not aware of many, many clarifications or modifications that you have to, to bring to it. No, you're right. It's I've been very lucky in that regard. Uh, oh, you've you know, been were, very, Anna, You've been very good. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind. There were some, um, you know, there were some printing uh, problems that we had and quality control, which is my fault. But you know, we we knocked those out in the second edition, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we got a third edition coming out now that um, that will enable us to to polish it just a little bit more. Uh, but I think we're going to put in uh, a card driven. Uh, we're going to put in a card-driven AI instead of... That's the, what I was going to ask. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm very that's excited cool. about it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Bruce Mansfield uh, is going to work on it and, and do it, and, of course, Jason Carr will be involved as well. And uh, I'm very excited because I'll tell you, one of the great frustrations, and I don't know if you feel this with Pendragon, but 85% of the questions or more that we get on <clears throat> on Liberty or Death through either well through primarily board game geek um about the related, solo rules yes are, yeah are related to the to the solo rules i agree i agree and i um 
Yeah, and, and actually my intention, I mean, I haven't developed any solo rules per se for Hubris. Um, I got some concepts. Well, I mean, I got the bots for, for the Romans. That, that's part of the main game. But, um, but my intention is definitely to try to end someone like uh, Bruce or Jason or, you know, someone who actually, or maybe, uh, you know, a um, bizarre opponent or someone um, to actually work with me on the solo system for Hubris because I, I'm just not that... Um, I was going to say that good. It's probably stronger than that. I'm just not that much into solo rules that I can, I think, develop a good one. Uh, so uh, I know what I want to achieve in general terms, but to make it work in terms of the mechanisms, uh, I, I feel that I would, just like it was the case with Pendragon, where Volko handled most of, most of that with the support of Urian um, Ayander and Visa um, Ponen, uh, that's yeah. That's what I would be looking for. Someone who can actually, uh, you know, implement something along the vision I have for the solo system. Yes. Yeah. No. That's. I. F I feel the same way. It's not something I enjoy playing. Uh, when I play solo, I play in God mode. Exactly. Same. <laughs> and and so when and so when we get to these to these bots, um, you know, and I know you you would be very good at them, but but I sh I share that that same lack of enthusiasm for them. And so it's great. We're just so lucky to have such brilliant people around us that, that are willing to put in the time and do such a good job creating them. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> but I think, you know, the, the, the questions that we get are symptomatic of, of, of something. Right. And, and I, I think that the sim they're symptomatic of just the sheer complexity of these decisions and how they have to be documented and so I'm really, I you know, having toyed and seen what they're doing now for Fall of Saigon, which uh, Mark and Volko are working on, right. and Bruce Mansfield and Jason Carr are, are, are running point on the solo. But, uh, you know, I think that has so much promise to be something that's easy. And a funny story that's not coin, but I've got my little uh, South China Sea game. Mm -hmm. uh, that that we fundamentally finished the two player game, okay. and so at the last warehouse, I showed it to Jason Carr, and Jason came back the next day and he said, uh, "You know, I didn't sleep last night because of the <laughs> game." And and I said, "I don't know if that's good or bad, Jason." But uh, he he said, <laughs> that's "I didn't." Good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, well, for him, it's good. He said he didn't sleep because he was imagining how to do mm -hmm. a simplified solo system. So what he's got now. Is he's he's gone just nuts and created this beautiful eight card, no charts, no no flow charts, no, nothing, eight right. card system that allows you to operate the bots in a very simple game, but fundamentally a, a simple game that gives you a ton of choices. And he's got these eight cards that just make a beautiful simple solo mechanism. And to me, that's the key. Is we got to. We just have to find ways to simplify this stuff because I think if we can simplify the ones that are in coin and make them more elegant and 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 where less questions arise, we'll see so many more people using those systems. I'm absolutely with you on that. I yeah, I mean, at the moment, I feel like I'm like you. I play God mode most of the time when I'm alone, and it's because the solo system comes at the at a barrier between me and the game and my enjoyment. And I feel that many people feel the same way. So, um, oh no, I completely with you on that. Yes. Well, so. let's, uh, one, one more thing I'd like to talk to you about. You've been bragging to me about this game, Freedom. I'd like to hear more about it. 
Right. Yeah, no, I've been I've been taking a little bit of time playing other stuff, you know, not only my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um I was lucky to to have time to play a game that I got from a Kickstarter fairly recently, uh, which is a game by Phalanx Games in Europe, uh named Freedom. Um and the designer is Vangelis Bagartakis, who's Greek. And he's come up with a very neat, very elegant, and by the way, a very cool, you know, very nice looking game like everything Phalanx does, um, on the siege of Missolonghi during the Greek War of Independence. Um, And what really drew me initially to the game was there's not that many games about sieges. And I think that's actually something which has been missing from from the hobby. Um, And so I had a look at it because of that. And then the theme was interesting. I mean, I don't know how familiar it is in this part of the world, but in in Europe, it's probably a bit more familiar. And so the siege of Missolonghi, which lasted nearly a year and was very dramatic and heroic, um, you know, seems like a cool subject. And so I tried the game. Um, it's, uh, I would say there's a, a lot of very interesting ideas. Um, so two players, one play the so-called insurgents, which are the, uh, Greek, uh, the Greek insurgents who are trying to uh, defend the city of Missolonghi and to protect their lines of supply and communication to the mainland and to the other um, you know, Greek insurgents. Um, another player is the Imperial player, so read the uh, Ottoman Imperials. And they start the game with a huge army, which is, let's say, subpar. <laughs> and, then, and then mid-game, they receive um, reinforcements actually coming from, um, what's his name? Damn it. Uh, but the Sultan of Egypt, which was an Ottoman vassal, uh, who comes with professional troops, especially uh, very good artillery men, which is kind of useful in a siege, yes. um, and a huge fleet, which is kind of useful when you besiege a port. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the, the nature of the siege uh, kind of shifts dramatically from that point. Um, but it's, it's, it's very good. I think it's, um, as I said, I mean, it uses you know, blocks. I mean, there's, there's a Euro feel in some ways, but definitely, I mean, definitely a war game in terms of the mechanism and the, uh, the you know, the, the, the depths. Um, you've got plenty of things to do, whether you are the besieger or the besieged. Um, you've got to, you know, it's basically the, the besieger has to determine what are his main axes of effort and, you know, allocate resources, try to disguise intentions, um, has to make um, choices between, uh, you know, do you focus on storming the wall, which means breaching them first, uh, and so you have to advance your lines step by step, get your batteries closer to the walls, that sort of things, um, or do you focus on cutting off the city from external support, but you can typically not do both efficiently, so, so that's an interesting dilemma. Um, for the besiege, uh, obviously you have few resources and few men and you're trying to, there's an element of, um, well, you got to patch up what's getting, 
breached uh, and react to what's being done. But that in the same way, I mean, you've got some axes of action, again, uh, trying to focus on, you know, external support or maybe training the local population, which has pros and cons. I mean, there's, there's quite a few choices. So it's, a, it's an interesting game for both sides. There might be a tiny bit more in the game for the besieger. And actually, the game, the game comes with a solo system which uh, is only playable from the imperial side. Uh, the, the insurgents or the besieged are, are handled by the, um, the, the system, which, by the way, is fairly simple. Uh, so, as we said, I'm mean, not a big fan of solo system, but, but the one in, uh, for this game was, was uh, easy enough to, um, to operate, so, uh, so I used it. So all in all, uh, a very, I don't want to say pleasant surprise because I had high hopes for this game, but, but definitely confirmed uh, the, the interest I had in this game. So this, is, um, this was a Kickstarter, it's, it's Phalanx game. If you can get your hands on this game and you are interested in you know, little known subjects and especially in siege warfare, I warmly recommend it. And it's short, I mean, it's a... Uh, I mean, I'm not a particularly fast player, and I think I could knock out a game in about two hours, maybe. Wow. So, I mean, with some variation, um, I had one game end up very shortly because I just, I don't know, you know, good rolls and some uh, bad decisions on the de- insurgent side, and the wall was breached fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but typically, it tends to obviously um, go much longer, but still, it's probably about two, three hours max, I would say. So that's good. Yes, I like a good siege game. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a look. Definitely worth a look. And I like the, the fact that, in a way, a little bit like coin, um, and I guess this is what the, when you are a designer yourself, you kind of see this. I could see how they sort of moved away. I mean, they could have manage in, in, in the exact way how your troops have to advance, so if you have to push your trenches onward and then push the batteries and that sort of thing. And they managed to model that in an in a elegant way. But you still have to do it. I mean, the, 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 the key to your decisions remain the same. Uh, there is an element of pushing too far or not, too fast or not, etc. Um, but without all the tedium of actually digging the trenches and pushing, you know, that regiment or that other regiment. So it's, it's done in a very nice way, um, which, uh, yeah, no, definitely, uh, I think, a very interesting design by Evangelis um, Bagartakis. So excellent. If you can get all of that, do it. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I need to find it. I don't know where I can find Phalanx in the U.S. I may have to order. Yes, Phalanx, oh, yes, yes. But Phalanx has been, uh, you know, Phalanx, uh, they did uh, the new version of um, Hannibal against Rome, Hannibal and Hamilcar. Yes. Uh, they're doing the new version of Successors, you know, again by uh, Mark Simonich, uh, which I think is due later this year, I mean, circumstances allowing. <laughs> Which, which I'm definitely looking uh, forward to as well. It's one of my favorite games ever. So yes, yes. Well, good. Well, Morgan, that's probably a good place for us to cut it. First, uh, good health and good times to you and your family. And, and uh, you know, I hope we can talk again soon. 
you know, whenever. It's always a pleasure, Harold, and the same to you, and your yours close to you. And um, yeah, hopefully this uh, this crisis will blow uh, without too much damage and <laughs> lasting consequences, uh, and we'll see. Let's let's stay in touch. I, I enjoy talking to you, and we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and 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 keep our uh, keep our hopes up. Yeah, pleasure, yeah. Howell. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.